Right, today's scripture comes from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. So we're going to have an alternate reading, which means that I'll read the first verse, and we'll all respond with the verse after that. We'll keep going back and forth until the end. And uh, so we encourage you to find the scripture in uh, a Bible or a pew Bible, if you brought your own Bible, if you got a Bible today. <laughs> uh, also, um, there is uh, the scripture behind me. And uh, uh, once you are ready, uh, please stand as able uh, to read the scripture together. Again, that's John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Well, today's message is called Forgiven Ones. And the message is about forgiveness and peace. And uh, friends, I just have to acknowledge how hard that is sometimes to forgive people. How hard it is to be at peace. And for me, I know that that can be challenging in my life, not because of the lack of desire to do that. I think we all want to be at peace. We all want to be able to forgive people, but there's just something within us that we get to a point where it's really hard to just tell yourself, hey, be at peace. Or man, you know, I want to forgive this person. Just saying that isn't enough for a lot of us. And part of the reason why is because of something that I call the irritation snowball effect. Right? You, you guys ever hear about this? That we, we call it the snowball effect, where you, you take a, a snowball and you just roll it down a hill. I've never tried this. I think in theory it sounds good. It's like a good illustration. I don't know that it works. But the way the snowball effect is supposed to be is that you roll a snowball down a hill, a snowy hill, and then it picks up snow along the way. And so by the time it reaches the bottom of the hill, it becomes like a boulder of a snowball. Right? And so there's this Calvin and Hobbes cartoon where this little boy, you know, cute as can be, you know, he's just having an instant childhood moment where he's rolling a small snowball down the hill. But at the bottom of the hill is that girl down the street that he hates. And so the little snowball becomes a boulder and it smashes into her, right? And um, friends, I think that's how irritations can be in our lives. You know, I think that the irritation snowball effect can happen in many different ways. But for me, uh, here are some of the ways. So one way is, um, you know, that there's just little irritations that I pick up throughout the day. And if it was just one irritation, it would be fine. But because maybe the first irritation starts to bother me, I become more susceptible to other irritations, right? Or maybe I actually cause irritations because I'm irritated, right? But basically, you know, what started as a small thing, you know, maybe someone says something to you in the morning like, hey, I don't like your face. And you're like, well, you don't like my face? Like, that makes me feel bad. And then you're irritated, right? And so then later in the day, when something goes wrong, you, you, you drop your, your, your sandwich on the ground. You're like, oh, I dropped my sandwich. It's so stupid, right? Why did I drop my sandwich? And, and then, um, you know, because of that, the irritations start getting bigger. And for me, a lot of times, the irritation snowball effect, it's sort of a loop, right? Like sometimes I do something like I get mad. So maybe I'll like snap at someone, or I'll cuss, or I'll get mad about it. You know, I'll have a, a blow up or something. And then I feel bad about getting mad, 
right? And then I feel bad about getting mad about getting mad. And then I feel mad about getting mad about getting, right? And it's just, it's like this cyclical thing, right? And so the little irritations that started in the day, they become big things. And before you know it, at the end of the day, you're like all crabby. You're all mad. You know, you're, you're all touchy and sensitive. And people are like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, get you, go away. Don't talk to me. And you're like, man, what the heck? You know? And so the little things, they just add up, right? It's like a little snowball just rolling down the hill and picking up irritations along the way. Sometimes the irritation snowball effect happens just with one person, right? Like one person, you know, they say something to you or they annoy you. You don't like their face. Or you don't like their tone, right? And so something within you is like, oh, I don't like how that person said that. And then they say something again. They do another thing to annoy you. And then you start building a history, right? Like, like there's a history book that is starting to be written between you and this person, right? Where you're starting to like, like sense a pattern like, oh, it's not that this person just made a mistake. It's that they're a jerk, right? And they do jerky things, and this is what they do. And every time they do it, you get more and more annoyed. And so in the beginning, you're like, ah, that's just Bob, you know, crazy Bob. He just sometimes says insensitive things. But before you know it, you have an arch nemesis, right? You're Batman, and they're the Riddler. You're Superman, and they're General Zod, or I don't know. He's got a lot of villains, right? Like, like it becomes this whole conflict that just sort of spirals, right? And so, you know, this, this snowball effect can happen in so many ways, but I think what happens is for a lot of us, it becomes really hard to overcome, right? And so um, when you see people illustrate the snowball effect for, I guess they use it for businesses and, you know, things like that. Like there's, I, I, didn't, I didn't actually put this because I thought this graphic was funnier, um, but there's a graphic of a little snowball going down the hill and at a certain point, the snowball gets bigger, right? It gets bigger and bigger and bigger before it becomes like a huge boulder of a snowball, right, at the, at the bottom. But there's a point that they always point to in these diagrams and all the ones I've seen where they say, this is the point of no return. Now, they don't exactly know where it is, right? But the point is that there is a point where the snowball cannot be stopped. Does that happen to you? And maybe this is why we struggle so much with our anger, with our unforgiveness, with our bitterness, with our lack of peace, is that the little snowballs that began in your life became big ones. And before you know it, you're just overwhelmed. Emotionally, you're overwhelmed, right? And so, you know, it's not helpful, I think, when I hear sermons or when I read things, and and you hear a lot of self-help stuff. They're like, oh, just let it go. Right? Be like Elsa. Let it go. Right? It's not that simple because the snowball is sticky, isn't it? Right? The snow, it sticks to the snowball and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right? I mean, it, it, pardon my French, but crap sticks to you, doesn't it? Like unpleasant comments or unpleasant situations, annoyances, they stick to you and they become bigger. And sometimes they become really hard to overcome. You know, and so I think for a lot of people, now there are some people that you're just so in it, you're so angry that you just don't want to forgive people. And I understand that. But I also know there are people who want to forgive people, but you kind of don't and you kind of don't know how, right? There might be a part of you that wants to forgive, but you're just like, man, I, I just, I can't forgive this person. It's just too much, 
when I sit down to think about it, I just start getting irritated. I just start getting angry. You're somewhere at the bottom of that snowball effect, aren't you? Right? That snowball got really big, you know? And so at some point, you just can't untangle it. Maybe when you're at the top, it was easier to untangle. But if you're at the bottom, what do you do? And it's true of any irritations. I'm not just talking about forgiving other people, but, you know, maybe just things in this world that make you feel bad, things in this world that affect you, things in this world that cause you to be anxious, right? Maybe you have an anxiety snowball in your life. And at some point, that anxiety snowball becomes so big, you sit down at the end of the day, and you're just so overcome that you have to find something to anesthetize yourself. You need to run away. You need to get your mind off it. You need to eat a pint of ice cream. You need to just watch Netflix. You need to, you know, go on the internet and watch porn. You got to do something to get your mind off it, to stimulate you, to get your mind off those things that bother you, right? That's a lot of people. It's a lot of folks, right? Friends, that's me too. I don't think we're alone in this. And so I want you to hear that this is not easy. But what I know in this season is that we are in the season of Easter, right? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. All right, I warned you. Some of you weren't ready. <laughs> Let's try that again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. What does that mean? God rose a human being, not just any human being, but his son from the dead so that your sins can be completely wiped away. It is amazing if that is true. And if that is true, then there is nothing that God cannot overcome. And you are called to be a resurrection people. You are called to be like Jesus. And in that sense, that we are called to forgive, not out of our power, but out of resurrection power. We can access that. We can become people like this. But I did want to just mention from the outset, it is not natural. Naturally, it's very, very hard, right? I mean, think about all the problems in this world. If it were so simple just to exercise a little bit of willpower, we wouldn't have genocide, right? We wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't have all these problems that we have when people just start getting misunderstandings and the little irritation snowballs, they snowball on a national level, right? I mean, and you have like the Middle East, you have these conflicts that go back centuries, thousands of years, and people are just like, hey, just get over it. You're like, are you kidding? What do you mean just get over it? It's thousands of years. This snowball has been rolling down the hill for thousands of years. Imagine how big that snowball is, right? And so, friends, these things do feel impossible, but nothing is impossible for Christ. So I want to ask you, I just wanted to get personal for a moment before we dive into Scripture, just so we can go into this knowing what we're dealing with. Is there something in your life that feels a little impossible along these lines? Someone you are mad at, you're pissed, you're so irritated by this person, or you just get irritated in general. Maybe it's a general issue. You know, for me, I talk about my adventures in road rage. And, you know, there are these things that, that irritate me. For me, I'll just share one thing that, that like, it sort of like ruins my day. This is the irritation snowball for me. Um, is that uh, sometimes uh, I get really mad about things when I know it's not my fault. Has that ever happened to you? I know it's not my fault, but someone gets mad at me for something that I didn't do. Or I was in the right. 
Like there's this one time, uh, and this was years ago, years ago, like 10 years ago. Um, just to tell you that, you know, I still remember it, right? Uh, that I was, uh, it was a very simple thing. I was pulling into Arborland, if you guys know where that is. Um, and when you pull in, the cars that, oh, actually, uh, I wasn't pulling in. A car was pulling in, but I was coming from the other direction. I was coming from Potbelly's, and so there's cars pulling in. And, and Potbelly's, you have a stop sign, but the cars that are pulling in um, don't have a stop sign, right? So I'm doing the right thing, and I'm waiting. And this car who's pulling in, he stops, right? I'm like, what are you doing? And so I try to wave him along. And he's like, and I'm like, yo, I have a stop sign, right? He can't hear me, right? Because I'm in a car. But I'm just like, go. And the guy like honks his horn and he goes, he rolls down his window. He's like, go, you idiot, right? And so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I just go, right? But for the next three hours, I thought about that incident, right? I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was doing the right thing. You're the idiot. You're the one who, who should have gone. Like, what the heck? I was just trying to be nice. I was following the, like, but you're going to call me an idiot? And this is the thing, is that when those things happen, when uh, there's something that I didn't do wrong, but you get mad at me for it, I'm a natural people pleaser. I don't like people being mad at me. And I can't control that. I can't control the fact that you're mad at me. And so it's frustrating because you're mad at me for something that I didn't do, but I can't control the fact that you're mad at me. And then later on in the day, I start getting more frustrated. And I get frustrated that I'm frustrated about being mad at this person who was mad at me for something that I didn't do, and I can't control that. And now I'm getting mad because I'm mad about that. And it's just, it's, man, it is so hard to untangle that. And I don't know what it is for you. What is it for you, friends? What is something that you're dealing with in your life that gets overwhelming? Maybe it's not overwhelming right at this moment, but there are issues that keep coming up. There's one person who just really chases you, really gets on your nerves. There's certain situations that keep coming up that you are not able to untangle. Maybe just in general, you just get pissed off by things. Like, why am I always pissed off? And you can't control that. You know, people are like, hey, calm down. Chill out, bro. And like, that's not helpful, right? I can't do it. Friends, we need resurrection power. And and I don't want to just say this in a blanket way, but I think this scripture is going to give us insight into what this looks like and how we do that. So this is a story about uh, when Jesus appeared to his disciples for the first time. For many of them, this is the first time they see Jesus on Easter, right? So it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Uh, For those who are LGM longtimers, uh, I have preached on this message before, and I'm not going to belabor this point, but I like to bring it up because I think it's funny, um, that uh, Jesus says, peace be with you, right? Then he says, hey, look, it's me. And then they're excited, right? They're happy. But I like to point out that probably up until the point that Jesus said, peace be with you, um, it's, it wasn't very clear that it was good news. Because remember, he's with his disciples. This is the first time that they've seen him since they all ran away and abandoned him right? Like there is a version of this that could have existed where it could be like a zombie revenge movie, 
You know, Jesus comes back to eat their brains. Jesus comes back to smite his enemies. I'm back, baby. You burned me and I'm going to get revenge and, you know, machine gun or whatever, right? Uh, Now, that doesn't happen, you know, because he says those words. Peace be with you. We say that every week, don't we? Peace be with you. You know, for some people, that's become like our hello on Sundays, you know, Hey, peace be with you. Peace be. But you ever think about what that means? Peace. What is peace? Absence of conflict. Absence of things that are wrong. And for in the Jewish sense, shalom, peace is not just about the absence of conflict. It is the presence of rightness. Right? So shalom is the biblical concept of the way the world is supposed to be when God is in control of it. If the world is exactly as it should be, that is shalom. Your life is right. You are right. You're not mad at people. You're loving people. People aren't mad at you. They're loving you, right? There's nothing wrong in this world. You're not sinning. You're not messing up. You're not being greedy. You're being selfless. You're loving. You're living exactly the way God has called you to. And this world is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And... Everything in this world, nature and creation and, you know, like lions are lying down with lambs and they're not eating them, right? But they're just chilling with them and they're having a little snuggle nap. You know, the world is at right. Everything is the way it's supposed to be. And we look at that and we say, shalom, that is right. That is God's peace. That is the way it is supposed to be. And so Jesus, he proclaims this when he sees his disciples. All the cowards, all the ones who betrayed him, all the ones who wronged him. And he looks at them and he says, peace be with you. We got peace here. We don't got a beef, right? There's no beef here, right? I'm not coming to settle things. I'm not coming to say, yo, you got to show me that you're sorry, How many times, friends, do you hear that with people in their arguments with people? It's like, well, they're not sorry. So until they're sorry, and and even when they say sorry, like like someone says, hey, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, but you didn't say it well enough, right? You didn't really mean it. I can tell that you didn't mean it. I didn't see it on your face. You didn't cry, right? Until I see tears and I really know you're sorry. You didn't pay me money. You didn't do something. You didn't do enough, But Jesus doesn't ask for any of that. He just comes and he proclaims God's peace. Peace be with you. And then he shows them who he is, right? And then he says it again, right? Just for emphasis. He says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So the way that I'm proclaiming peace to you, now I'm sending you in the world to proclaim peace to other people. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. <sighs> and, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, so spirit in Hebrew actually means breath. Ruach, ruach, it sounds like breath. Hurrah, ruach, right, it's breath. So he breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. If, and, and by the way, we'll get back to this Holy Spirit business in a bit. This is going to be important. So just file that away. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
Now, maybe some of you, you were tracking along up until this point. I want to read this again. And for those of you who maybe just spaced out for a second, I want you to pay attention because this is weird, okay? Like, like, look at what Jesus is saying. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. It seems to be saying that Jesus is saying that if you forgive people, they're going to be forgiven. But if you don't forgive them, they won't be forgiven. This passage, by the way, is one of the few passages. There's only a couple like it where this is where Catholics develop their doctrine of what what is called sacerdotalism. You don't have to remember that word, but it's simply the idea that you need someone else to forgive your sins. That's why they have priests that absolve you, right? So what do we do with this? What do we do with this passage? You know, I got to tell you, I was so confused by this. I spent a good portion of the week doing some like, like very intense word study, and I was like going through a lot of commentaries, right? And guys, let me tell you, it's, it's very confusing, but I don't think it means that we need to go around and like when you forgive someone's sins, you're like, hey, I forgive you. Oh, that's not what it means, right? I, I don't think that's what it means. Um, but I think that it's telling us that there is a very important commission that we have. We become proclaimers of God's forgiveness on other people. I don't think this means that we are the ones who ultimately forgive. Forgiveness comes from Christ. We'll we'll come back to that in a moment. But we become the bearers of forgiveness. We play an important role in other people experiencing forgiveness. And if we're not doing that, then they're not experiencing forgiveness. They might actually be experiencing something else. It's a little complicated, friends, but um, I think just let's keep it at that for a moment. And I want to show you a video that maybe will explain this a little bit more. Maybe some of you guys have seen this. Um, It's been making the rounds on Facebook, but the idea is that people are like garbage trucks. So let's watch this video. Tommy? Yes, come on in. How you doing? Good. Uh, 23rd and Broadway. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's go. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing good. There's so much to do. So much to do. Whoa, whoa, watch out! <laughs> whoa. That was close. What the hell? You almost hit me. Where did you let to drive? I can't you mad. <sighs> Give me legs now. No, no. How are you so calm and so friendly? This guy almost ruined your car and and sent us to the hospital. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you something, man. People are like garbage trucks. (laughs) Really now? How's that? Well, they run around with garbage and they're full of disappointment, full of frustration, full of anger. And when the garbage piles up, they need a place to dump it on. And sometimes they'll dump it on you. (laughs) But you know what? You don't take it personal. You just wave, smile, you wish them well, and you move on. Don't let their garbage spread to the people at work, at home, or on the streets. You love those who treat you right, and you pray for those who don't. See, now life is 10% of what you make it. The other 90 is how you take it. Um, how many of you guys have seen this, this video before? Have some of you guys seen this video? Okay. 
Um, so this is actually a recreation of a true story. Uh, so there's a guy named uh, David J. Pollet uh, who uh, wrote a book called The Law of the Garbage Truck. And so I guess about like 20, 25 years ago, um, he was in New York City and he took a taxi cab. And so this actually happened to him. Uh, that wasn't David J. Pollet. That's the guy who remade the, 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 the story. Uh, but uh, he was uh, in the taxi cab. And you couldn't see it in this but according to him, that the car pulls out at the last second. And so it's actually the car that pulls out his fault, right? And so the, the taxi cab has to stop very suddenly, stops an inch from the bumper. And so, you know, of course, like, like they're like, whoa, oh my gosh, like we almost got in a serious car accident. And the driver who ca- almost caused the accident comes out and starts yelling, right? Like, like cursing, and then at the end gives them a salute with one of their fingers. You can guess which one that is. Right? And then drives away. And so, you know, David J. Pollet, he is fuming. He's like, oh my gosh, like this dude almost like, like killed us and like, oh, this could have been really bad. And the taxi car driver, before he, he drives off, he just smiles and waves, right? And this, this is an exact quote. Uh, in, in the thing, they actually took it word for word from David J. Pollet, that this is what the taxi cab driver uh, probably paraphrased, but this is the way it appears in his book. He says, many people are like garbage trucks. They run around full of garbage, full of frustration, full of anger, and full of disappointment. As their garbage piles up, they look for a place to dump it. And if you let them, they'll dump it on you. So when someone wants to dump on you, don't take it personally. Just smile, wave, wish them well, and move on. Believe me, you'll be happier. And so the idea that, I mean, there's several things here. Um, one of the things is what we were talking about, the snowball effect, right? That this recognition of having the wisdom to know that everyone is experiencing the snowball effect. You're not the only one. So when someone dumps on you, so, so to speak, when they dump their garbage, when they, they say venomous things to you, when they take out their anger and frustration, likely it's not just because of what just happened. Right? It's not just because that you are the, the, the sole cause of that. But they've been experiencing a lot of frustrations before, a lot of disappointment, a lot of anger, and now they're trying to take that out on you. But what David J. Pillay is th- saying is that once somebody dumps that on you, that now you start to take that on, right? If you let them. And then you take that frustration out on someone else. And then that person takes that frustration out on someone else. And then that person takes that frustration out on someone else. And so what, what he's saying is that you got to stop that. you got to stop that, that cycle of, of trash that's going around, right? At some point, you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to play that game, you know? I'm just going to forgive you, and I'm going to move on, right? And I'm going to stop that flow at the start before it starts to become garbage in my life. You see that? And so the thing is, what what does this relate to what Jesus was talking about when it says that if you forgive someone, they are forgiven their sins. If you do not forgive their sins, they are not forgiven. I think in a way, Jesus is giving us the role of being bearers of forgiveness. For one, in this world, for the disciples, they were bearing the forgiveness of Christ to let people know that they are forgiven. But in another very real way, they are living out that forgiveness. So friends, just think about how the world normally works. There are people walking around with their frustrations, their anger, their disappointments, their garbage, 
and they just keep dumping it on other people. And if you just do the same thing back to them, they are not able to experience forgiveness. I think this is what Jesus is saying in a way when it says they are not forgiven. But if you are able to stop that and you just say, hey, you know what? I forgive you. Even if they aren't able to receive that, they aren't able to spread that to you. And now there is the possibility of that person being like, oh, all right. Well, (laughs) you know, maybe it changes something for them. Who knows? You know? There, there are, uh, there's a lot of truth to this. I think it's a very beautiful example of how, um, yeah, you know, there are a lot of things in this world that bother us, and perhaps we let too much bother us. And perhaps we don't look at people with enough compassion to see them as the same as, as us, right? We have this very uh, problematic psychological thing that almost all of us do, is that we are very good at explaining our faults, Right? There's a reason for it. Oh, I got frustrated because I'm having a bad day. Right? So I can excuse that. Or you should excuse me because you should understand I'm having a bad day. But if someone else yells at you, it's a character flaw. It's like, oh, it's because you're a jerk. Right? That's why you're yelling at me because you're defective. Right? Instead of maybe they're having a bad day too. Maybe there's a reason for that. And so David J. Pillay says that he kind of takes a line from Sixth Sense. You guys ever see that? where the, the little boy, like, he's like, I see dead people, you know? That David J. Pillay says, I see dump trucks, right? Everywhere he looks, he sees these people. They're a bunch of dump trucks, right? And so when you see somebody and they're getting so worked up and they're getting so angry, I remember yesterday, actually, um, I was driving a couple people to youth group and we were on our way and um, that we, we were uh, behind these cars and Uh, Actually, there were several cars in front of me. There was this black car that was driving very, very slowly. And like we were uh, at Getty's where there's like all these traffic circles. And they would get to the traffic circle and the person would just wait. I don't know if they thought there was a traffic light, but they'd just wait like for a good like 10 seconds. No cars are coming. And then they would go very slowly, right? And so I'm like, oh man, like, you know, something's going on, right? And um, the person behind that car ended up like, you know, I think going a different way, whatever. But the person behind that car was getting really frustrated. And I could see them. I could see them getting agitated. They're like, right? Like you can see them making these movements, right? (laughs) And then the next time we get to another traffic circle, they hesitated for just half a second. They didn't hesitate as much. And this person just, is like, like, like slamming down that horn. They roll down their window. You're like, you idiot, speed up, go, go, right? And they're like yelling, right? person keeps on driving really slow, right? So eventually, we get to a part of Getty's where there's like two lanes, and that black car gets in the turning lane. And I get the opportunity to drive close to that person. I'm like, okay, either they're old or they're Asian. Don't be Asian. Don't be Asian. They were Asian. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just true. Uh, but... You know, so, so kind of ironically, though, uh, so that person who got, like, really, really upset, like, like they kind of sped off. Like, you, you know, like, when you're really mad and, and like, you don't want to take it out on that person, you take it out on the accelerator, right? They just took off, right? And they took off for, like, maybe 500 feet because they made a left turn into my favorite park in all of Ann Arbor. It, it is the place where I find my peace. They turned into Gallup Park to spend a beautiful day in nature, Right? And I'm like, I mean, you know, I get it. I've been there. You know, where you get so frustrated. 
But friends, I, I got to think that it's not just because the person, you know, in front of them was driving slowly. I got to think, I mean, I don't know, but there are other things going on with that person that make those things overwhelming. Where they got so frustrated, where they couldn't enjoy a day at the park. It gets ruined because they get overwhelmed by their own anger, their own frustration, right? Now, uh, so you, you can look up these videos. Uh, David J. Uh, Pillay, he, he, he's like kind of a motivational speaker. And so at the end of every talk, he makes people take the garbage truck pledge, right? It's really cheesy. Like he makes people like stand up and, and they have to do motions, right? Like, you know, and, and they have to like shout like, I am not a garbage truck, right? <laughs> Repeat after me. I am not a garbage truck. As a matter of fact, we're going to do that right now. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But, um, you know, he makes them do that. And he's like, I will not spread my garbage to others. And then he tells people like, you know, after they do that, they're like, hey, how do you guys feel? They're like, we feel great. We feel great. He's like, congratulations. You are a part of a worldwide movement of no more garbage trucks. Millions of people have taken this pledge. Have any of you ever heard of the garbage truck pledge? I've never heard of this, right? Is the world a better place because of the garbage truck pledge? No. <laughs> I would argue. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's all these people in different parts of the world. They have garbage truck churches, and they're like, man, this is what we did. This is the gospel. Is you just don't be a garbage truck, right? But I think the problem with that, friends, is in actually, he even says this in his video. He says garbage trucks are actually good. So garbage trucks are great because something has to take all that garbage we have. You, you, you put all this stuff that's smelly, maybe even toxic, you don't want it. It's cluttering your house. It's making it look ugly. You know, whatever it is, and you're getting rid of it. It's rotting. It's just going to cause bad things. And somebody's got to take it, and somebody's got to get rid of it. So this is my question. If people are not garbage trucks, then who or what is? What is going to take the garbage from you, right? And the thing is, too, that even if you say you stand up, you stand on a chair, and you shout, I am not a garbage truck. When people dump their garbage on you, you could be like, whoa, whoa, don't dump that on me. But doesn't some get on you sometimes, right? Like you could be like, didn't affect me at all when you said that racial slur. Didn't affect me at all when you got all personal and you, you were just keying in on those really sensitive things about me. Didn't phase me. I'm not affected because I'm not a garbage truck. Does that work? Does that work for people? I don't think it does because I think that even if you try really hard, which I think this is good, to not try to uh, uh, dump your garbage on other people, not to exacerbate it, right? You get all upset in the moment, like, I don't like what you said, and then you start slinging garbage back. Well, you know what? You're a jerk. I hate you. And then you start slinging garbage back, and then that person starts accumulating more garbage. I understand what what, uh, David Play is saying, and there's a lot of truth to that. But still, at the end of the day, garbage gets on you, doesn't it? It still affects you. It still makes you feel bad. And there's many of us that are like, I wish it were that simple just for me to deflect it, but it's not. And so there needs to be something more that helps us through this. So I want to take a look at Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. And um, this is just going to be behind me. Um, But this is a very good parallel for what we are reading about here. It says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. 
I like that because it does talk about the fact that we are the same as other people. We are members one of, uh, one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 was a revolutionary verse for me because I've struggled with my anger um, like my entire life. Um, I have very poor uh, <laughs> anger coping mechanisms. Um, so I grew up in a family where just everyone was really smiley and happy all the time, right? Until we weren't, <laughs> you know? But uh, I think that, uh, so, so I, I share this sometimes, and I'm the same way, so I don't blame my dad for this. My, dad, my dad's dad was probably this way too, but my dad is very smiley. He's a very pleasant guy. And I've only seen him get angry, like really, truly angry, only a few times. But those times were like a volcano. It, it, I, I seriously thought someone was going to die. It was so violent, and so it was just a huge outburst, right? And so I think that what happened with my dad, and I do the same thing, is that because he didn't have permission to be angry, he would just stuff it down, right? And so this is the thing with garbage. Garbage is not going to go away unless you get rid of it, right? And so sometimes I think this idea of like not being a garbage truck, right? Hey, don't, you know, don't get that garbage on me, it's sort of like this, this sort of denial, you know? Like, ah, what you said doesn't affect me. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get mad. Even when it does affect you. You just pretend like it doesn't. And at some point, it may become overwhelming for people. You know, but I like this, this verse because it says, be angry and do not sin. I pointed this out before uh, when I preach on this, but... Uh, this is from the ESV. This is actually the proper translation for this. If you have the NIV in front of you, it says, in your anger, do not sin. And I hate that. That's not what it says, right? It says, be angry and do not sin. Like, like the NIV is still true. It says, if you get angry, don't sin. And I agree with that. You know, go, don't go punching people. Don't go making it worse, right? But the fact of the matter is, anger is a normal human response to things. You're supposed to get angry. It's okay to get angry. It's what you do with that anger. If somebody says something really upsetting to you, right? I mean, I, I, I don't think it's helpful to just be like, I'm supposed to pretend like that didn't hurt me at all. I'm not angry one bit. It didn't bother me. Friends, just, you know, Jesus got angry. It's normal to get angry. It's okay to get angry. But don't sin by continuing the hurt, the cycle of hurt. Don't hurt them back because you got hurt. But it's okay legitimately to be angry, to be sad, to be upset by something. But again, the question is, who is going to take that anger? Where is that anger going to go? And I want to show you a verse that I did not understand until this week. Or at least I've gotten new perspective on it. And then it says, uh, sorry, uh, go back. We're still there. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. All right? Uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. There's a separate uh, uh, passage in a different book that talks about, um, you know, if, if there's something between you and another brother or sister to leave your gift at the altar and go and reconcile. And people kind of merge these two verses together. And what they think that this means, do not let the sun go down on your anger, is you need to reconcile with somebody before the sun goes down. Like, hurry up, go do it. You only have till the sun goes down. You better hurry, right? Especially if someone uh, aggrieved you like, like right before the sun went down. Like, oh, you know? That, I don't think that's what it's saying, friends. 
I think what it's saying is that every day we need to do something with that anger. Yeah, you're going to be angry. Yeah, you're going to be upset. But don't let the sun go down on that anger. You need to do what? Dump it off. You need to dump it off. Remember this garbage thing. Who is going to take all the garbage? I can't. Other people can't. When you start dumping your garbage on other people, it just causes more you know, problems, more garbage in their life, which will in turn affect other people. But Jesus, Jesus is the one who can take our garbage. Before the sun goes down, take that time to bring that garbage before God. Confess it. Be angry before God. Have you ever done that, friends? This, I think, is a very holy prayer. Like, look at the Psalms, how angry they get in the Psalms. They're letting their anger out, but they're not letting it out to people. They're letting it out to God. They're dumping it before God. God, I'm really mad. I'm really angry. It's not fair what this person did. You know, I, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm so angry. But there's something in that confession where God can take that from you. Before the sun goes down, at the end of every day, in every day's cycle, we should be doing this. We should be dumping the trash in our lives and dumping it to God, the one who can truly take it away from us. Um, as it continues, it says, no, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion. And it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Friends, um, I highlighted that verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And a lot of people don't understand this verse. I've struggled with this verse for many years. And I'm not saying I've nailed it. I know exactly what it means. But what some people do is they pluck uh, Ephesians 4.30 out of the context and they act like none of that uh, uh, occurred and then they make up their own definitions for grieving the Holy Spirit. Seriously, just look some stuff up about grieving the Holy Spirit and people just come up with out there stuff, just whatever they think grieving the Holy Spirit is. They're like, that's what it is, right? But what is it talking about here? It's talking about things about how you treat other people, right? It's talking about like corrupting talk that comes out of your mouth. When you curse other people, when you speak bad about other people, right? Well, it's talking about bitterness. It's talking about anger. It's talking about slander and malice. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, friends, remember back to John 20. What does Jesus do before he gives us the commission to go out and be a force of forgiveness, to be a representation of God's forgiveness in this world. What does he do? Remember? He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit's work, is to bring us together, is to bring us together into one humanity. You are the same as other people, as it said earlier in Ephesians 4. They're not different than you. We all have garbage in our lives. We all have hurts and pains and sorrows. And what Jesus is trying to do through the Holy Spirit is get you to forgive and live in unity with those people as God is trying to forgive and live in unity with you. If we are not doing that, then we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? We are acting contrary to what the Holy Spirit is about. 
And by the way, friends, when you are dumping those things at the end of the day, all your griefs, all your sorrows, all the things that are hurting you and bothering you, who do you think is taking that from you? Who's taking that from you? The Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who takes that from you. So friends, your, your quiet times, your times with the Lord, I want to encourage you to do this. I know a lot of people, and this was me, to be honest, for like the first, you know, 35 years of my life, is uh, quiet time was just, I read like a quick little passage, I think about it, and I say a real quick prayer, and that's it. That's it, that's my quiet time, that's my time with the Lord, right? But friends, do you see that maybe a quiet time can be something different if it means that before the sun goes down, I need to unload my anger. I need to unload that bitterness. I need to unload the trash. And I need to let the Holy Spirit take that from me every single day to sit in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's not any work that you have to do. You just have to let him take it from you. So friends, um, just kind of closing here. Uh, Yes, sorry. So yeah, are you going to be a a dump truck, a garbage truck? Hopefully not. Are you a garbage truck? We all are. Um, But friends, uh, I just want us to think about what Jesus did on the cross for a moment, right? Um, So Jesus comes back from the dead. He's resurrected. Can we go to the next slide? Um, Jesus resurrected, and he is going around forgiving people. His last words on the cross, one of his last words was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And remember what's happening when he says that. The religious leaders are coming up to him, and they're insulting him, right? They they are just trashing him, right? They they are trolling him. They're like, hey, you're a savior. Come down from the cross. You can't. That's right, right? And they are just laughing at his expense. For many of us in those situations, we throw the trash right back. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus literally could not throw the trash back. Because what he was doing on that cross was he's taking all the trash upon him. And that trash died. And Jesus resurrected without it. He was putting to death all the trash. Friends, don't get this twisted. Jesus didn't Jesus wasn't punished on the cross because you did a bad thing, right? It's because Jesus needed to get rid of all of the trash in our lives. It's not just about avoiding punishment. It is about becoming the people that we are meant to be, people without trash in our lives, resurrected people. So that's what God wants and desires. And I want to encourage you every day to find that time So when we spend that time with God, what we believe is that the Holy Spirit comes within you. And and I like to think of, I I, I looked in the Greek and it does mean peace with you, but what is with me, right? Peace with you, like peace is right here, peace is over there, or peace is actually here within you. And and I kind of like, there's a song that kids sing called Peace is Within You. And I want to show you a little clip of kids singing it. And and I want to tell you a little bit about the kids who are singing this in a moment.
Peace be within you. Assalamu alaikum. Shalom alaikum. Peace be around you. Shalom alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be between you. Assalamu alaikum. Shalom alaikum. Peace be the whole world. Shalom <laughs> All right. So um, it, it, they flashed it real quick, but these kids are in Israel. And it's at a school in a village that's called uh, Neves Shalom, or in Arabic, it's known as Wahat Al Salam. And it stands for Oasis of Peace. So many years ago, um, there was an Egyptian Jew who converted to Christianity, and he became uh, a, 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 a Catholic priest. And he started this community in Israel for people uh, who were Arabic, uh, Palestinian Arabs, and uh, you know, Israeli Jews to live together um, and coexist. And so this school that we saw uh, where these kids were singing is a school where there was Arabs and Jews who were learning together and singing together. And that's why they sang it three times, right? They sang it once in English, once in Arabic, and once in Hebrew. And, and so, you know, I was seeing that and I'm like, you know, I was like watching that and I was like crying because I was like, man, that is, that is resurrection power. There's this ancient conflict, right? There, there's these people that, you know, have been hating and killing each other for years. And you see through the power of Christ that, you know, people can come together and that, that they can be singing the song, Peace is Within You. I don't think that's going to solve all the problems in the world, but I love this song because it starts with, it says, peace, may peace be within you, and then may peace be around you, and may peace be in the whole world, <laughs> right? And that is your task, friends. What we need first is peace to be within you. We need Jesus to get rid of the garbage in your life every day. And then you need to go out and spread peace around you to the people around you. Even if they're throwing trash your way, this is what you are commissioned to to do in Christ, is to forgive them as Christ forgave you. Forgive them as Christ forgave you. When we throw around trash at other people, we need to come before Christ and let Christ forgive that as well. And friends, maybe, maybe through that, when we have the peace within us, we start spreading it around us, who knows what God can do in this world with people who are actually living in that peace. Can we have uh, the praise team come up? And um, I just want to give us a moment to bring before God whatever it is that is on your heart. Remember I asked you at the beginning of the sermon, what is the thing that is bothering you? What, what is the problem or what is the person that you cannot forgive? You know, and, and I want to just 
really push you and challenge you, friends, for a moment. Uh, This is the way our brains work, is sometimes when somebody mentions it, you you just kind of find a way to escape. You you start, like, like, twiddling with your phone, or, you know, you start thinking about another person, or you start thinking about all the reasons why I'm not talking about that person. But friends, this is just between you and God. Who is that person you cannot forgive? What is that thing that you cannot let go? What is that thing that is garbage in your life, but you are not able to get rid of it through your own willpower? It's, it's going to take a work, friends. It's not going to happen overnight, but maybe every day we can start unloading those dump trucks of, of bitterness, of anger, of frustration. Maybe there's something you're frustrated about right now. And it doesn't seem like a big boulder of a problem right now. Maybe it's a a little snowball right now. But can we take that before God as well? Can we dump that before God? Can we confess that and say, Jesus, I know because of what you did on the cross, you have overcome that too. So thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking that from me. Thank you, God, for giving me the chance to live without that garbage in my life. So friends, let's do that right now. So bring our garbage before Christ and let him take that from you. Let him forgive you for it and make you new. Jesus, we come before you with our garbage, with our problems, with our frustrations, God. Lord, I know the the little ways that I get annoyed at people, God. Lord, for the times this week that I've uh, been frustrated with other drivers, God, I thought they were idiots. I've called them idiots, God. Lord, I confess that before you, Lord, and I know that you take that from us. Thank you, God. Forgive us our sins, Lord. Lord, we are the forgiven ones who can live in that forgiveness, who can proclaim that forgiveness to other people, that because of what Christ has done, we are made clean. So thank you, Lord. Precious God, to every person in this room, may they know that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not because we deserve it, not because we are good enough, but because Christ went to the cross and killed that sin and that God, through his power, brought him back to life without it. And so that sin is no more. So those problems can be overcome by the power of the cross in the empty tomb. So God, we claim that power today in all the ways that we need it, Lord. We want to bring before you our unforgiveness, the people that we are mad at, the the problems, God, that seem so overwhelming for us, Lord. We ask, God, that in your grace, in your forgiveness, Lord, that you show us that grace again, Lord, that we may confess, that we may truly uh, unload those things, God, that we may be made into your new creation every day. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.